Good morning, Boomerang. It's good to be in the house today, isn't it? We are, we are very blessed to be here. We have an awesome lesson this morning, but before we do anything, we want to go into it with prayer. Uh, so what we're going to do is, uh, I'm kind of an Ephesians 1 person. I mean, I think if you can get Ephesians 1 and then like the first part of 2 down, and you know where you're at in Christ, then, I mean, you can't beat that. So Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ, and, and for, for foremost, what we want is we want to see that the eyes of our understanding be open. Um, Father, we, we want to know the hope of our calling. We want to know what that great power is, that same power that you, you, you worked in that raised Christ from the dead. That same power is still active today, and, and you seat of Christ in heaven, heavenly places, Lord God. And not only is he seated in heavenly places, but so are we. And all things are placed under his feet, and they're under our feet too. And Father, we come to you operating from that position, knowing that all things are under our feet, that you love us, and that we want to know you more intimately. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. amen. So we have an awesome lesson today, and it's about persecution. Doesn't that just excite you, persecution? So, so here's how this went down. I uh, started reading this, this, uh, this lesson a couple weeks ago when I first got it. And you can ask Brian. I called him up and I said, Brian, I said, something's wrong because I'm reading this lesson. And the first thing I go is, no, in the name of Jesus, I don't receive that. I don't receive persecution. I know, I know where I operate from. I don't receive that. And Brian said, let me read through the lesson and we'll put it in context and we'll talk about it some more. So we, we, we you know, pulled and picked and... And I think the main thing is, um, in America, we are very blessed that we don't suffer persecution like you see in other places. I mean, it, you know, we don't have our noses cut off and, you know, we're not set on fire unless it's for God. Um, so, so we view persecution differently, and there's many different types of persecution. Uh, if, if you read in the book of Acts, uh, when, when the church was, was persecuted, it says there was a great persecution that came against the church and everybody was spread out. Well, there's, there's different levels of persecution, too, and that's what we have to keep in mind. You know, not only are we talking about this great persecution where everybody was suffering and scattered and it brought forth uh, you know, just the preaching of the word was spread everywhere, but there's small persecutions, too. So let's go ahead and get into the lesson, and uh, let's go ahead and bring up Matthew 10, if you can do that. And, and we'll start through uh, verse 16 and 23. And I, and I just preach out of the old Bible because I'm rough on media. Like my, my tablet's busted, and my phone has to be in an otter box case. If not, it'll blow up. And so I just stick to the good old Bible, and it is duct tape. It's been with me a long time, and it's I invented the duct tape Bible. I want you to know that. So, so we'll go ahead, and we'll get in Matthew 10, and we'll start with verse 16. It says, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Next verse is, but be aware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils, and they will scourge you in their synagogues. And you shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what you will speak, for it should be given to you in the same hour what you will speak. For it is not ye that speak, but the Spirit of your Father which speaketh in you. And the brother shall deliver up the brother to death, and the father the child, and the child shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. And ye shall be hated for all men, all men, you'll be hated of all men 
you shall be hated of all for my name's sake, but he that endure to the end shall be saved. But when they persecute you in the city, flee you to another one. For verily I say unto you, ye shall not have gone over the city of Israel till ye shall, ye shall not have gone over the cities of Israel till the Son of Man come. In Matthew 10, 16 through 23, Jesus wanted to prepare his disciples for opposition. He wanted them to know opposition was going to come, especially to all those who live godly lives. Um, Christ-centered lives, will, people will suffer persecution. It's not something you can rebuke. The enemy may be behind it, but persecution is part of standing for righteousness. The Bible says those who live in godly, godly in Christ will suffer persecutions, and Jesus is preparing his disciples by saying, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. The word behold is saying, listen to me, guys. I want you to get this. So what I'm imagining is that, I don't know if you ever played um, sports when you were in school, but this is what I'm imagining, like Jesus is in the huddle, and he's saying, hey, guys, listen up, come on. This is what's going to happen. I'm going to send you out, and you're going to be like sheep among the wolves. I'm going to send you a sheep in the midst of wolves. Sheep are the most defenseless and dependent animals I know of. A sheep doesn't have fangs. It doesn't have venom like a snake. It has no defense whatsoever. The only defense it really has is a shepherd. A shepherd's responsibility is to keep the wolves out of the flock of sheep. But Jesus is saying the very opposite. I'm sending you out as sheep into the pack of wolves. Isn't that amazing? Thank you. The reason he is saying it is he's preparing them for opposition. Ephesians 6.12. If you bring that up. It says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. There will be opposition. Part of the Christian life is opposition, and Jesus wants you to know that. He wants to prepare you for that by saying, Be ye therefore wise as serpents. The word wise means in every situation you will not needlessly incite problems, but will have wisdom that you will carry with you. Be ye wise in serpents and harmless as doves. Now, I want to stop there. When I was reading through that, um, and, and I know everybody, the Holy Spirit will drop these little nuggets while, while you're reading over these lessons. And, and uh, something that, that the Spirit said to me is that stupidity is not persecution. And then I, I was thinking of the verse in uh, Proverbs 17, 28, where it says, Even a fool is thought wise if he keeps his mouth shut. There are a lot of times where you bring things upon yourself because you're not hearing from the Spirit. You're just walking out in ignorance or maybe in the flesh or maybe in emotion, and then you will suffer things. That's not necessarily persecution for God. That might be you're just suffering because you acted stupid. And I hate to say that, but that, that's it. 
something that I, that I, I was struggling with in this lesson, and I said that at the beginning, was I, persecution's going to come. We can't rebuke it. Christ said it's going to come. He's not a liar, so it's going to be there. The main thing with persecution is you don't have to receive it. You don't have to receive it. You, you can have a mindset where you don't receive it. You know, you can look at Paul. If you read in the, in the book of Acts, uh, no, I'm lying to you. It's 2 Timothy. Read in 2 Timothy, and Paul is talking to Timothy, and he's talking about Alexander the coppersmith. And he says, I suffered greatly at the hands of Alexander the coppersmith. And he said, it was so bad that when I stood up to preach the word, none of my people stood with me. Everybody abandoned me. You know, that, that's, pretty, that's pretty tough. That's some persecution there. But Paul goes on to say, you know what? But don't let it be held accountable against them. Yeah. And Paul had that mindset of God. It, you know, Paul said, how many times was he scourged with 39 lashes? You know, how many times was he stoned and drug out of the city and they thought he was dead? I mean, Paul, you know, P shouldn't stand for Paul. It should probably stand for persecution. Um, but Paul had the correct mindset. You know, if, if you read Paul's writings, he, he's... He'll say that I consider myself to be poured out like a drink offering. Yeah. You know, he, he, he knew where he stood at with Christ. He knew there would be opposition. He knew he would go through persecution. But his mindset was, look, I know who I am, where I stand, what I'm called for. This is just a momentary thing, and I'm going to get through it. Did everybody understand the stupidity thing? It just that was really important. Maybe just for me. Yeah, yeah. And then he said, "But beware of men. The enemy is going to use them." Ephesians two two says that the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, Satan is going to use men to oppose you, to oppose the purpose of Jesus Christ, and to oppose the word of God. Beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils, and they will scourge you in the synagogues. Paul said, five times I was scourged, five times I was beaten with 39 lashes because of Jesus Christ and the message of Jesus Christ and the message of the gospel. Jesus said, you will be brought before governors. Even the government will sometimes be used to oppose the purpose of Jesus Christ. You will be brought before governors and kings for Jesus' sake, for a testimony to them or against them. Uh, Don Crow, who, teach, who wrote the lesson, he, he gives an example, uh, and he's talking about, he was teaching a course on evangelism, and he was showing his students uh, how they could use uh, a written letter for an evangelism tool. And... Uh, he did one himself, and he sent it out. I think he said he sent it out to 50 or 100 people. And, and in a couple of days, he got a phone call from a woman in town named Mary Ann. And she said, you're not going to get away with this. That's exactly how she sounded. She, you're not getting away with this. <laughs> you can't tell me about Jesus. That, that's what she said for, quote, she said, you're not going to get away with this. I want to know where you got my name from. Tell me where you got my name. And he says, well, um, I got it out of the phone book. And she said, you're a liar. My name and address are not in the phone book. And I said, well, that's where I got them. She said, tomorrow the police will contact you. Nightsticks, guns, blue uniform hat. They'll be at your door. They're going to have a little talk with you about you harassing me. 
And, and what, he's, what he's pointing out, he's saying, do you see what I'm saying? He said, there's criminals out on the street, but yet the police wasted two hours of their time. Why? For the sake of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the gospel. Is the word of God really true? If you stand on the word of God, if you are bold to witness, if you are bold to proclaim Jesus, if you are bold to live a righteous life before men, there will be opposition. There are forces of evil. There are forces of good. Jesus wanted his disciples to be prepared. Jesus said in Matthew 10, 19, But when they deliver you up, take no thought, don't be anxious on what you should say or speak, for it shall be given to you in that same hour what she shall speak. With God's Spirit, you'll have wisdom like Stephen of old. The people couldn't handle the wisdom by which he spoke. Jesus says in verses 22 and 23 of Matthew 10, And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endureth to the end shall be saved. But when they persecute you in this city, flee to another. Opposition against the righteousness, opposition against righteousness, against the purpose of Jesus Christ is a reality if you're a doer of the word and not just a hearer. I want to talk a little bit about persecution because I've heard many people say, well, brother, the church only grows when there's persecution. And I'm thinking, wow, if that's the case, why don't Pastor Brian stand up here and say, Lord, persecute him? persecute her, please persecute all of them, persecute Boomer. And, and when I started to read into the Word, um, what I saw was there are certain attributes of that persecution brings to a believer, and it's almost like um, you're, you are, let me put this in the right way. If you go back and you look in Exodus, when Moses is at the burning bush and God's talking to him, God says, I'm going to paraphrase, I heard my children's cry and I'm going to do something about it. I heard my children cry out and I'm going to do something about it. I know what they're going through. Now, we don't have to go through persecution to cry out to God like that. There's nothing in the Word of God that says that the only way that God hears us is by going through persecution. It's not there. You can't find it. But what happens is when there is persecution, it, it, there's a quickening that happens in a group of believers, and they become dependent on God. And, and just their very essence is poured out before God. And, and that's what persecution does. It's, it, 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 it quickens that process. And, and this was a tough thing for me to understand because I've always heard that and always had a hard time with persecution. Um, when, when the church is persecuted, their dependence turns to God because they're put in such a situation that they can't depend on themselves anymore. Um, the word persecute, like when I was reading this, I was saying, all right, you know, what does persecute mean, God? And I was thinking, all right, pursue and execute. And, uh, you know, it's like, well, you know, that, that sounds pretty good. And uh, then I actually looked it up and, and traced it all the way back. And what it means is um, to complete a work until it's, it's done, to follow a work through until it's done. So you know what? Pursue and execute is pretty close to that. Um,
And I would challenge you, if someone tells you that the church only grows through persecution, I would challenge you to say, look in the books of the book of Acts, and after persecution happens, you know, I want to turn there because this, this is good. I think it's Acts 8. Yeah, Acts 8, and you can, uh, you can, I'm sorry, let's, uh, Acts 8, Acts 9, and you can start around verse 23, and, and uh, basically what it's talking about is Saul had his Damascus Road experience, he's converted to Paul, scales fall off his eyes, um, and it says that he, he grew in boldness and he started speaking before people and, and proclaiming Jesus Christ. And, and they didn't like it and they tried to kill him. And, you know, I see this as, as a, uh, this is repetition with him. And you think he would figure it out that, look, if you speak boldly, someone's going to try to kill you eventually. But he never, he never understood that. Um, but it, what it says, start in verse 23, it says, Now, after many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. But their plot became known to Saul, which is Paul. And they watched the gates day and night to kill him. And the disciples took him by night, and they let him down through the wall in a very large basket. And I'm thinking, why did they have a basket that big? But that's bunny trail. And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and did not believe <laughs> that he was a disciple. You know, that's a pretty tough position to be in. You talk about stretching your faith. You know, hey, this guy was going into our homes and persecuting us and putting us in jail and killing us. And now he's saying, hey, I want to be one of you. That's, that's what he did. He came over and he said, hey... How you doing? You doing okay? Let's praise Jesus. We don't want none. We don't want none. Okay. I'm sorry about all that stuff that happened with your family. I didn't really mean that. I didn't know what was going on. Um, and it said, uh, and Saul came to Jerusalem and he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and how he'd spoken to him, and how he'd preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. And he was with them at Jerusalem, coming in and going out. And he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Hellenists, who were Greek Jews, by the way, I just want you to know. And then he attempted to kill, and they attempted to kill him. Then again, Paul's trying to kill him. And when the brethren found out, they brought him down to Caesarea, and they set him out to Tarsus. Now, this is completely after the persecution of the church. This is after... Saul, who is now Paul, persecuted the church. You know, he tracked them down. He went to their houses. He took them to jail. He killed them. I mean, he was there when Stephen was stoned. He was holding everybody's clothes. He's like, you missed one. You better pick that up. Hit him with that one. I think he wiggled. But in verse 31, it says, Then the church throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And say this with me. They were multiplied. They were multiplied. Now, this came after the persecution. This didn't come while the persecution was happening. This, this didn't come before the persecution. This came after the persecution. And I brought this out because I wanted you to know that the church can grow in many different ways. And, and persecution just brings out one way the church can grow because it forces us to depend on God again. Amen. 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 I didn't, didn't want anybody to get confused on that. Jesus said in Matthew 10, they will deliver you up. Take no thought. Don't worry about what you're going to say, for God's Spirit will be with you, and you will have wisdom like Stephen of old. 
The people couldn't handle the wisdom which he spoke by. You shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. This is Jesus, quoting uh, Matthew 10, verse 23, 22 and 23. But he that endureth to the end shall be saved. But when they persecute you in the city, flee you to another. Opposition against the righteous, against the purpose of Jesus Christ. It's a reality if you're a doer of the word and not just a hearer. And, and here's an example that um, we see Don gives of, of persecution. And remember I spoke about there's many different levels of persecution. So this is a level of persecution. It says, I was in the park a while back and I saw an elderly lady sitting in the swing. And I thought to myself, she's harmless, she can't hurt me. That's like the setting of a horror story right there, isn't it? Well, look, there's a little old lady, she's harmless, she can't hurt me. And I asked her if I could sit down in the swing with her. And I'm thinking, that's a pretty big swing in the park. I've never seen a double swing in the park. Mostly they're just singles. So what I'm imagining is this old lady on the swing, the single swing, and she's swinging. And he comes down, he sits in the swing. He's going, hey, can I sit here and talk to you? And she's like, oh, yeah, you can talk to me. And he found out her name was Jane. And I said, by the way, Jane, what do you do? And she said, oh, I'm an old lady. And I said, duh. No, he didn't say that. He didn't say that would really quit it right there, wouldn't he? That'd be bad. That'd be bad. That's stupidity bringing forth persecution. <laughs> uh, she said, I don't work anymore. I'm retired. And she said, and by the way, what do you do? And I said, well, I work for a church ministry, a church organization. And suddenly her countenance changed. Dun, dun, dun. That, that's a setup, isn't it? I think I've been there with children. <laughs> children do that. Hey, what's your name? Then her countenance changed. And she said, don't you tell me about God. Don't you tell me about Jesus. And I said, oh, Jane, you shouldn't talk that way. <laughs> and I don't imagine any of it went this way, but it's probably for posterity, so... And she says, if Jesus Christ was in front of me, I would spit in his face. That's pretty bold for a little old lady, isn't it? That's fighting words, probably. I, I would have swelled. I would have swelled up. I said, Jane, you shouldn't say things like that. You must have had a lot of people hurt you in churches if you talk like that, Jane. You shouldn't talk like that. Let me tell you about my family. She said, no. I said, you can't talk to me. You're going to tell me about Jesus Christ and what God did for your family, and I'm not going to let you. You can't speak. I said, I said, Jane, Jane, please. I've got to tell you about Jesus. She said, no. I'm telling you to shut up. That's what Jane said. She had a little dog on a leash, which is the epitome of the, of the retired old lady with a dog. Don't ever approach little old ladies with dogs on a leash. And she just pulled that little dog until he was setting up going, Ugh! imagine she was choking him. She, you know, and, uh, and away she went. And here was a woman out of control because a spirit rose up in her, a spirit of disobedience. She was, not con she was controlled by the enemy. And I thought to myself, I'm not used to having people yell at me. I'm not used to... Well, here's what he really thought. Wow, that little old lady just swelled up on me. I'm not used to that. I'm not used to people getting in my face. But I had nothing but compassion. And this is where you see the maturity. When I said you don't have to receive persecution, you don't have to. It's a mindset.
said, I had nothing but compassion, nothing but love for Jane. She was out of control, and I was totally in control. I went home, and I said, Lord, you know what? The greatest miracle is that I didn't swell up on that woman. That's what he said. No, he said that I was in control. When someone was in my face, I had nothing but love and compassion for them. And I know that's a very uh, slight example of persecution, but I really think that example is, is showing us that you don't have to have that mindset when you're being persecuted. You know, I don't have to receive that from you. You know, it, it's, easy, it's easy to have somebody swell up on you. And you know what's even easier is to swell up back on them. And you know what comes from that? Nothing. And God doesn't get glorified in that. There's no door. There's no opening for that. There's no love. There's no compassion. God can't move in that. He can't move in that. And it is a miracle when he said, uh, I went back and I was talking to God and I was just like, well, you know, thank you that I was in control. And in, in reality, what he's saying is, thank you, God, that I had a mature mindset when persecution came. You know, I, I chose to be an example of my father to only do what I see the father do instead of to, to be an example of the world. Persecution and opposition will come when we go out in the name of Jesus. The same Spirit of God that gives boldness to proclaim Jesus, even, even when we're rejected for His sake, that same Spirit will give us comfort and strength in any situation. That's pretty good, isn't it? That's pretty good. I'm just... It's really hard for me to uh, to get past um, people thinking that that the only time the church um, can grow is through persecution. I just um, I think why do we have spiritual gifts? Why do we have the fivefold ministry gifts? Um, why do we have uh, fruits of the spirit? If the only way that we can grow as a church is through persecution, why well, have all those things? And we just just scourges when we come on Sundays and we'll grow. Um, so let's let's read uh, 2 Timothy 3.12. Who has their Bible? Who wants to read? Yeah, you can read it up here. Um, those who live a godly life will experience what? Persecution. Yeah. Persecution. How would you define persecution? We, you know, I want to open it up. How would you define it? Did he persecute people? I thought that was Jeremiah. Has anybody ever read the Fox's Book of Martyrs? There's a lot of boiling and oil. Um, somebody was putting a log and sawing in half. I thought it was Jeremiah. Was it Isaiah? All right. Anybody else? How would you define persecution? Persecution. All right. In my life, I think I have suffered the worst persecution with my family, um, basically because I'm running in one direction and my family's not, and they, they don't have the relationship with God that I do. They don't see him the way I do, so it's so hard for them to receive. You know, that's the worst I've ever suffered. You know, I, I, family can really tear your heart out. You know, more so than strangers. You, you know, strangers, uh, you give strangers some leeway, but family, that's, that's tough. So I think some of the worst persecution I've ever suffered was with family. Uh, I didn't hear you. 
Self-persecution? Yeah, like most of the time in my life, I'm hard on myself more those so more so than other people are hard on me so i have a real problem you know i don't know being too hard on myself i guess when i mess up i don't know i uh, it's hard to explain first thing that comes to mind is i think you judge yourself so nobody else has to judge you um, but you also have to forgive yourself yeah that that's a big thing that's why we have grace that's why we have grace. Uh, I've never thought about self-persecution. Um, I guess I've always thought about being judgmental of myself. Um, does anybody else have persecution? What do you think of persecution? Let her give you the mic. I'm right where you are. Um, seven years ago when I prayed, Lord, I don't want any limits on you, he started moving me. And he moved me out of the church I was in. And even two, for two months recently, he sent me back to go with my husband to his church. And I did it for two months until he finally released me from it because it was killing me. <laughs> because I had been somewhere like this. Where they have such limits on him as far as not teaching the whole word, not believing the whole word. And it's very hard to back up when you've been in the fullness of his word. Mm. So I understand where you're coming from. I, uh, uh, I've been in the, the, the mission field a couple times. Uh, one time was with my wife, which was really a blessing. Um, and then one time um, we were in Bulgaria. We were living with uh, gypsies. And I don't know how to gypsy dance, so don't ask me. Um, but there was a, um, there was a pastor and he was just, he was just called Pastor Mark. <laughs> He's in 25 minutes, right? Okay, well, we'll get into it. Um, I have to have special shoes. I left them at the house. I'm sorry. Um, there was a pastor, his name was Pastor Marco and he was 82. Um, and you know, every time you're talking to somebody in a foreign country, most of the time it's through interpreters because you can't speak the language. Um, so we're we're sitting at the table and we're just kind of um, having an intimate meal, and Pastor Marco's kind of sharing his story, and like to see him say it, like it's it's me, you know, you're you're talking, and then I'm looking at the interpreter, and I'm going, okay, okay, and sometimes you lose things in translation, but this man was just talking about Bulgaria used to be a communist country, um, and it, it was it's pretty rough still. Um, you know, there's a void there because communism fell and you have a lot of corruption that came in as the government's trying to be set up. So you have this void that a lot of bad things try to fill. But Pastor Marco, um, he was thrown into prison for preaching the Word of God. Uh, and this was I'm probably back in the 80s, 70s, and 80s. So he was thrown into prison for like 20 years, and his wife left him. His family abandoned him. And... Uh, he he was just completely left on his own. But when he was released, when communism fell, he was released, and the first thing he did was go preach the word again. And we went to this little village, and I can't remember the name of this village. And uh, when you go into like the countryside in bulk area, like you still see the shepherds out in the fields, like holding their staff, and the sheep are around them, and the goats are around them. There's no there's no paving or anything. And and Pastor Marco. Uh, I just remember we call it the old pastor's village. He um, he had this church, and the church 
you know, building building practices were crude. I don't think they would have passed inspections. Um, it was made by hand laid hand laid stone that they'd quarried around the village, and um, all it was was the four walls, the dirt floor, and there was no ceiling. You you know the the stars were your ceiling, and I remember him sharing that testimony, and I remember that night that man just what flowed in that church was amazing. The things that you saw were amazing there. I mean, you, you saw healings and, and the spirit flowing and people who were hungry. But I just think about the persecution that man went through. And if he would have just rolled over and gave up, none of that would have happened. I mean, none of that would have happened. People wouldn't be eating. The word of God wouldn't be spread. You know, he wouldn't be as strong as a, as a leader as he was in his village. But that man suffered persecution. And, you know, that's what I think about persecution. Um, uh, Mark, Mark 4, 16 and 17. It says, And these are they likewise, which are sown on the stony ground, who, when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time afterward, when the affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. Go to verse 17. Oh, that is verse 17. And it says, affliction and persecution come for what reason? Did you say for the word? For the word? For the word, that's right, for the word's sake. I've got a little cheat sheet back here. It says to take away the word. Yeah, and, and I wrote down here, it's a, it comes as opposition to the movement of God. So that, that's kind of how I viewed that. Um, so whenever God is moving, you know, we fight, we don't fight against flesh and blood, but, you know, we war against principalities and powers. Um, whenever God is moving mightily, then we stir these things up. You know, we're, we're, we're doing something. We're, we're messing things up a little bit. So we have this movement of God, and then there ha there's going to be opposition against it. You know, you're going against the grain. There's going to be opposition. Um, go to Acts 8. And uh, it's verse 1 and 4. It says, And Saul was consenting unto his death, and at that time there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the region of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And then jumping down to verse 4, it says, Therefore they were scattered abroad and went everywhere preaching the word. So the persecution in Jerusalem resulted in what? Spreading of the word. Spreading of the word. Uh, Matthew, Matthew 5, 10 through 12. It says, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. And this goes back again to that mindset. You know, we don't have to receive persecution. We, we don't have to roll over. And I think about, 
I think about Elijah, and I think about, you know, Elijah when he goes up against the prophets of Baal, or Baal, however you want to say it. And this man is on fire, and he's dependent on God, and God, you know, just kind of shoots down some fire from heaven and burns everybody up, and it's crispy, and it probably smells really bad. But And then Jezebel, she gets all in a tizzy, and what happens? He goes running off to the woods, and he's hiding in a cave. You know, he's persecuted, and God finds him, and God goes, what are you doing here? So I can't see that. I can't see that us having a mindset other than not receiving persecution is God's will, because that's what I see. I see Elijah received that. You know, he received that persecution and he ran from it and he hid from it. And God said, "Look, that's not what I called you to do. Now you got to go get back in there." And they're like the prize fighter in the corner. He's kind of, "Come on, get back in there. You can go. Get back in there." And that's what he does. He, you know. He goes and he just walks in some mighty things. Uh, Matthew 5, 10 through 12. There is a blessing upon those who are persecuted for... Anybody have the answer to that one? His name's sake. Righteousness sake. Uh, Matthew 5, 12. When believers are persecuted for righteousness sake, what can they expect in the future. Oh, you got Acts up on there. How about blessings? Yeah, it's his blessings. Matthew five twelve it says, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Acts 9, 4 through 5, um, and, and we're, we're speaking about Saul, who was eventually Paul. And he fell to the earth, and he heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? <laughs> and the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecute. It's pretty hard for you to kick against the goads. I want you to know that. It wasn't anything else. Who are thou, Lord? It was, who, who are thou, Lord? That's how it happened. Who was Saul persecuting? Jesus, huh? He was persecuting. What? That's silly. He, he should know better. He should know better. But in reality, who was Saul persecuting? Christians. He was persecuting Christians. Yeah, he, he was persecuting Christians. All right, and Galatians 6.12, it says, As many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised, only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. The Judaizers in the book of, of Galatians tried to, to add keeping of religious law to the gospel. In doing so, they would avoid what? So, all right, let me, I'll give you, let's backdrop, we'll do backdrop. So, many years ago, many years ago, um, so we had um, some believers who were Jews, and they're believing in Christ, but they're trying to straddle the fence, and what they're saying to new believers is, hey, if you get circumcised, you know, this is, this is the way it needs to be. But in reality, what they were doing is they were saving their own necks, because it would take the heat off them, because... Uh, it would be easier for these people to be received in Jewish circles if they were circumcised than if they weren't circumcised. So going back to the question, it says, um, 
in doing so, what were they trying to avoid? They were trying to avoid persecution from Jews is basically what they were doing. They were trying to sidestep it. So. So, so let's, let's sum this up a little bit, all the things that we have learned. One, is persecution going to come? Okay, who said it would? Yeah, being in Big J? Big J. All right, Jesus. He said it's going to come. And he said it just like this. He said, look, it happens to me. It's going to happen to you. It's a no-brainer. He said that's how it's going to be. The other thing is, if we look at Paul as an example, did Paul receive persecution with an incorrect spirit? Never. Man, Paul was... Any man who can go up before Caesar and preach the gospel and then say, okay, I'm done, cut it off, I'm ready to go home. That's amazing. His mindset just amazes me. You can't keep Paul down. Can the church spread in persecution? It can. It, it can. Does it need to only spread during persecution? No. So what we see is that persecution amplifies the very principles that causes the church to spread, right? Crying out to God, that's one thing. So, and, and then, you know, there's a scripture, and it's back in, um, oh, I think it's Ezekiel. You have to forgive me. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, and cry out to me, turn from their wicked ways, I'll hear them and answer them. Yeah, isn't that amazing? I don't hear anything about persecution. All I hear them say is if they cry out to me, I'm going to answer them. And that's what persecution does. It causes his people to cry out to him. It puts their hearts in the right place. But it doesn't need to happen like that only. So. Pastor Nicole, I'm about ready to wrap up. Do you have anything else you need to say? You're good? Okay. Well, I'm just going to head and close in prayer. And I'm... Father God, I just I thank you. I thank you that we're joined together here as a family and that even though persecution will come, we don't have to receive it with a mindset that the world says we have to receive it with. We receive it with a kingdom mindset. Yeah. That we know that we are seated with, with Christ at the right hand of God and all things are placed under our feet. And Father God, I thank you that we fight a battle from a perspective of that we're already victorious. That, you know, we're not combative uh, we're not on the losing end. We're already victorious, Father. And I, I thank you for that. Lord, we bless your name. And we thank you that you have given us a, an opening of the eyes of our understanding. I thank you so much. I just ask blessings over this day and, and over this service which is about to come. In Jesus' name, amen.